Transforming a Nation. In this podcast, Janet discusses the church's role, mandate, and practical strategies for societal transformation. Be encouraged as Janet shares prophetic insights for realigning nations with God's original plan and their kingdom destiny. Hello, everyone. Welcome to our podcast. This is uh, the second part of Discipling a Nation. And today we want to look at the five spheres of uh, government, the five spheres of um, civil government, the five spheres of local church government. These all include uh, aspects of governance, aspects of law and order. And so why don't you just share this broadcast, why don't you just share this with your friends, get others to come online. We really want to grow our YouTube channel so that more people can have access to what God is doing in this nation in governance. And the Bible says that if we have lack of knowledge, what is the result? We perish. What is the result of perishing lack of order tyranny all these things we find within a nation and so as we were discussing last week we spoke about God's love for the nation but this is very very general when we speak about the word love God is a God of specifics and so when we think of the social units of the nation we think of family governance we think of community we think of economy and we think of Christ's inheritance where Jesus came for the nation. Jesus came to give birth to a nation that would serve him and honor him. And Israel um, is our example in the Old Testament. It's our example of what a nation can do when it prospers under God. And we just see and we witness the growth of um, the nation of Israel from 1948 to today and how prosperity and how production, how um, economic and social justice is so prevalent. Good governance is so prevalent in the nation of Israel. So um, it is the church in this day that I really believe that God is called to steward the nations because he says, ask of me and I will give you the nations as your possession. And so when the church stewards these various spheres of governance, what happens is that um, satanic systems of governance that have been put in place begin to crumble amen begin to be dismantled and so the enemy no longer has a legal right to govern the nation in these five spheres and this is where the church through transformative power through reformation can bring a change in every system of government that we find ourselves in so as the church then, we need to disciple these spheres. And so all governance falls into one of these five spheres. Well, we find self-governance, okay, that referring to the individual. We look at governance of family. We look at the governance of the economy and commercial governance falling under economy. We look at civil governance. We look at the governance of the church itself or belief systems, the governance of religious systems, religious um, entities in our nation. And so every sphere of government ha governance has to be taught um, and has to be brought under the governance of the word of God. Amen. The kingdom of God, God's 
governance. And as we do that, and as we subject these various um, spheres to the governance of God, and we hear what he has to say about governance, because righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne, we will begin to witness an order in our nation. We will begin to witness a change in our nation where righteousness is exalted and where, where sin has been a reproach within each one of these spheres of governance, okay? And the witness, the outworking, the witness, the testimony of sin in our nation, the breakdown of law and order, the, the um, result and the opening of the door to tyranny. We witness that God's governance brings peace and it brings righteousness. So a kingdom governance brings godly order and the opposition of godly order is tyranny and Bible says that we live in a, a day where men are lovers of self. We live in a day where um, war is the order of the day. We are moving more and more as we understand what is taking place over nations and we understand the times and the seasons of the nation. We really are in a day of warfare. And this warfare is going to increase before Jesus returns and before Jesus takes us home and he establishes um, his governance on the earth during the millennium. So what is tyranny? Tyranny is the abuse of power. And this is where antichrist and anti-God forces are continuously transferring their power to civil government, transferring their way of doing things, the antichrist agenda, the um, um, uh, liberal agenda, anything that is opposite to the word of God, because the Bible says that the word sets free, truth sets free. And what did Jesus come to do? Jesus came and he hung on a cross to set us free from the antichrist system. He came and he hung on a cross to establish um, self-governance, that we can live as individuals and that we can be free. And it starts with the individual first. So we have various scenarios that take place through these antichrist systems of governance. And this is what we want to study today, these various scenarios, and, and witness and see how we can, um, as uh, intercessors or as governors of a nation, how we can wait on God and trust him for his apostolic um, guidance, for his apostolic strategies in witnessing and seeing antichrist forces ruling within governance government or local government, national government, provincial government, how we can witness these forces being totally eradicated and dismantled. I mean, these principalities and powers, because that's exactly what they are. And it's only the word of God. It's your and my faith, your and my prayers, amen, and having apostolic strategies for nations that can change this. So let's look at the first scenario, and this is when we begin to witness the state as God, okay, where God is replaced as um, the center and the focus of all life. And this is where the state demands that all spheres of governance must bow and give the state first place. And so Jesus even had to encounter this in his um, lifetime on earth. We remember when he was just about to be born and Caesar Augusta knew of the great 
king that was going to be born, King Jesus, and um, he was threatened by uh, Jesus' rule on the earth. The prophets had spoken, and he had a, a realization, he had an understanding of the greatness of this king, that his kingship would be threatened. And so Caesar Augusta, um, uh, under the Roman Empire, um, issues a decree that Jesus has to, um, and all the uh, young boys of three had to be killed. Okay, so this is why um, Joseph and Mary, who received that, I think it was Joseph received the dream, went another way, okay, um, down to Jerusalem uh, because they know that Jesus would have been taken from them. And so even in Jesus' time under Roman rule, all right, there were Antichrist forces. Um, wanting to control, and they were building their empire. They were building their um, kingdom. The, the, the Roman rule was perhaps the fiercest and the harshest of all governance during that time. And, and men and women would be beaten and, and subjected to all forms of tyranny. And, and, and instead of there being freedom of speech, um, which is a civil liberty, they were bound and they were broken and not able to um, live freely within that particular kingdom. So uh, we find that in certain nations of the world today, this spirit, okay, which um, was so prevalent in Roman times, we find it, for example, in China today, where uh, young men and women, where the nation, even as children, are taught um, from a young age two and three, to swear allegiance to the state, that the state is God, the leadership of the state um, are God, and um, the head of the state are, are gods, and, and so there is to be no freedom of religion, no worship of other gods, and, and even the Muslim religion um, in the north of China has been driven out because you see, it, it, um, if we if you worship Allah, this is in direct contravention of the state that the state is God, that the leadership of the state is God. Amen. And so, um, we can only thank God that here in the West that we are set free and that we have freedom of speech and that freedom of worship. And we have to honor and we have to maintain. And, and this is a warning, I really believe, for the West that we need to press in for these civil liberties, these, this liberty of freedom of religion, that we may maintain it in our nations because the same rule um, of uh, Caesar Augusta and the same Antichrist spirit is being released over the earth to stop the kingdom of God from advancing and to stop um, worship and, and um, freedom of religion in our nations. It's an Antichrist agenda. It's an Antichrist form of government. The second scenario we want to look at is the individual as God. Okay, we, we looked at the first scenario, the state of God as God. The second scenario, the individual as God. And the scripture says in Proverbs 18 verse 2, that a fool does not delight in understanding, but only revealing his own mind. Right? Have you ever encountered those that would not hear your point of view, that would not hear your opinion over a matter? They would only give their own opinions. Well, this is because the, uh, the um, self and individual, um, and if you want to uh, put it this way, worship of self, 
okay? Exaltation of self. Self is on the throne and God is not on the throne. The word of God is not on the throne. Um, there's a preoccupation with self, amen? And instead of honoring and looking at uh, your brother or your sister as an individual, all right? Everyone turns um, uh, uh, this uh, uh, idealism of self, self, self. And the next person is an object. There's no respect for human life. There's no respect for the sanctity of life. There's no respect for society. There's no respect for the individual. Why? Because self rules. Self, self, the principality of self. One day um, a friend of mine was praying and God spoke to him and said, you need to deny the principality of self. The principality of self. And so people... Um, uh, where self is ruling, turn others into an object for serving themselves. So no longer do I respect you as my brother or my sister, but I see you as an object to serve my needs, to serve my desires. And so um, before long, without you realizing, you're in a place of dehumanizing others, where Jesus didn't come for in uh, um, uh, objects. Jesus didn't come for um, the world. Jesus came and gave himself for the individual. He gave himself so that um, life could be sanctified. Jesus gave himself for a population. Amen. And we are living here on this earth and God is calling us to deny self. What did Jesus do? He denied himself. He gave himself on the cross. And so many times we expect others to serve this principality of self. And just having a look at the conflict in the Middle East and the war with Hamas, we are having a situation, looking at a situation where Hamas is dehumanizing the population of Gaza. Okay. Why? Because of self-objectives, because of the collective of serving Hamas's ideal, the, the, the spirit of Haman being raised up to destroy the Jewish nation because Haman wants to be promoted. Haman wants to be exalted. Okay, Haman wants power. Haman wants rulership. Haman wants control. And this is what the principality of self does. And so um, it's the exploitation of others' rights. It's the exploitation of my brother's liberty. It's the exploitation of my sister's freedom of speech. And each one has to serve self, self, self. And so Never before have we lived in a narcissistic generation like now, in an era of narcissism where self is being promoted, self is being served. Okay, And these are fruits of an antichrist spirit where Jesus came and he taught us to lay down our lives for one another. He gave himself because he loved the world so much. He gave himself even for the narcissist. He gave himself for those who would be controlled by the principality of self. He gave himself for the individual. 
happening, that there could be redemption and that there could be change. And so we need to bring the principality of self under the governance of the word of God because it's only God's ways and his will and the power of the spirit that can demolish and that can demote the principality of self and the individual uh, who replaces God with himself. The third scenario we want to look at today is the family as God. When the family is replaced, okay, the unit of the family replaces itself as God, okay, where there's no entrance to the will and the ways of God. There's no yielding to God who God created the family. And so when this takes place, we often find a situation of tribalism, okay, where a family cannot cooperate in larger units and there's no opening to diversity, where the tribe is the center, where the family is the center. And so unity and cooperation beyond the family unit is totally unthinkable because the Family is God and everything exists within the family. And if we look at the scenario, it is totally incestuous. Okay, And so this is where often cults evolve and cults are um, called to serve the leader of that particular tribe, the leader of that particular religious system. And so Jesus created healthy families for healthy propagation, for healthy growth, for healthy multiplication. Matthew 12, verses 47 to 50, even Jesus demonstrated that we have to um, be open to diversity because he says, um, my mother and my father are the ones that do the will of God. So Jesus wasn't only referring to himself as God. He wasn't only referring to um and Mother Mary as his biological mother, as Joseph as his, um, well, not his biological mother, but his mother here on earth, as Joseph, uh, his father here on earth. But he was looking outside. He was looking beyond the borders and, and the natural spheres. And he was saying, we have to diversify here because those that are of my mother and my father are the ones that do my will. And so when we put the family as God, as the center okay we have a warped sense of true family life we have a warped sense of growth and there can be no social development there can be very little emotional maturity why because brother and sister are depending on one another and 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 mother and father rule the family and this becomes um, cultish in in um, the leadership and the development of the family Okay, now the fourth, third or fourth scenario we have here is local church or places of worship. And these can also yield to tyranny, okay, where leaders demand allegiance beyond the word of God. Leaders demand allegiance to themselves and they sacrifice um, um, the relation, their relationship to God for worship of self. And as I said earlier, this uh, often results in cult status. And so um, the church needs to teach and disciple its people concerning 
family life, the proper order of family life. The church needs to disciple and teach its people the proper order of worship. God first and mother and father, God first um, and brother and sister, God first husband and wife. Okay? And when um, God is first and you honor your leadership under God, we begin to develop social and we begin to develop um, economic activism. Why? Because um, instead of putting the church first, um, we are looking and we are venturing outside of the four walls of the church and we are gaining God's heart for the community. We are gaining God's heart and his perspective of how um, he would ask us to implement social justice, amen, social transformation in a nation. So we have to be careful of these leaders. Yes, we're all to submit to a local church. Yes, we're all to submit. I, I do believe in these last days, God is testing us on our commitment to the local church. He's testing us on our commitment to leadership that can um, grow and that can disciple us. But when our commitment to the local church or commitment to a religious body is beyond our commitment and far outweighs our commitment to God himself. Amen. We are in a place of tyranny. We are in a place where we invite the gates of hell to control and we invite all kinds of moral and social breakdown. Okay. So the, uh, um, the, I think it's the second last <laughs> scenario we want to look at is where the marketplace becomes God. And it says in Mark 8 verse 36, what does it profit um, a man if he gains the whole world and he loses his own soul? And this is where um, commerce and this is where leadership of government, le um, economic leaders of the nation begin to put themselves first, okay, begin to put the economy first. And very often this is um, the root of this is the love of money and the root of this is idolatry. And men, um, we often find here is that um, what is very prevalent is the exploitation of man at the exp uh, man's expense at um, the, uh, the, the um, drive for making money, the motivation for making um, capital as the center, money being the center of all um, activities. And so the individual is exploited, the family is exploited, and we found that many, many men are tempted and, and, and fall into this trap because why? They are um, the provider, um, uh, the financial provider of the home. They ha that's their calling to provide for the nation, to provide for the home, but the enemy has come and perverted it. And often because of a lack of self, um, 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 you know, low self-esteem and men are needing to achieve. And so therefore the spirit of mammon at the exploitation of the family, at the exploitation of the child and the breakdown of the family where the father is no longer true father to his um, child or um, his his, his um children, his son or his daughter, we find mammon 
rules, okay? And so um, high profit margins are put before family, okay? We find that companies um, require people to work beyond um, the reasonable hour that is stated in um, the Constitution, or that is stated in the laws of the land. Families are exploited. The individual is exploited. And no wonder we find a breakdown in civil society. We also find in um, more um, socialist uh, environments, we find unions begin to amass wealth for themselves. The leaders of these unions um, are so deceptive and they are wicked leaders who are amassing wealth through all kinds of social injustice and social unrest and, and, and they have no regard for the building of the nation. They have no regard for the building of the economy. They have no regard because of their idealism and their ideologies. And so therefore, um, self um, and the promotion of, of um, um, mammon and, and the breakdown of civil law and order and tyranny is the result. So when the state um, is involved in, in um, these scenarios, we find that um, this they begin to promote a liberation theology, okay, which is totally anti-God. And this liberation theology replaces Jesus Christ as the center with economic justice. And much of um, the rhetoric that is being bandied about today by state um, leaders and by governments of the world is so deceptive that unless we allow the church to govern and unless the church rises up and takes control in the realm of the spirit, unless the church rises up and, and um, we, we witness um, rhetoric like um, uh, certain parties, even here within South Africa, um, uh, making statements like violent revolution. Okay, what kind of statement is that that we would have a violent revolution? Jesus didn't come to set us through through a, a free through a violent revolution. He came to set us through free through godly order. He came to set us free through bringing the state through teaching families through um, giving guidance on the economy and and um, um, promotion um, of wealth and and um, the 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 earning of wealth the blessing of the work of our hands capitalism and um, he came to give guidance concerning the individual and so as we begin to uplift the word and we teach um, in these different spheres we are discipling a nation and men and women are set free the nation begins to um, come into a place of transformation as the nation adjusts within these various spheres amen and so the solution then is is to take back our nation, amen, through teaching, through discipleship, through um, the preaching of the word, to reform systems through the renewal of the mind, amen, and to bring a nation under proper discipleship, to bring a nation under the guidance of the word of God. So I trust that you've enjoyed this. Won't you just share this once again? Won't you just... Um, 
share with those that you know have a calling to governance that need to be taught governance and need to bring um, governance under the word of the Lord. Uh, next week we have a very exciting guest so I want you to um, tune in for episode 23 and 24 as we um, uh, submit ourselves under the leading and the guidance of these podcasts. Amen. God bless you. God bless you.